technically I probably know most of what I need to do or know how to find it. But mindset is saying, you know, do I believe in myself? What am I stopping myself? Where am I self-sabotaging? How do I move through those pieces and start to recognize those patterns? And, you know, one of my favorites, cause and effect. What's the cause that and where am I as a result of that? Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. It is my great pleasure today to have on one of our Inner Circle clients, Linda Guile, who has been in business for so many years. I'm going to let her share her family history and her experience with growing a, a business and let her introduce herself. And one of the reasons we have Linda on is because she has this depth of experience. And we thought that it would be a great opportunity to share with our community all the things that she has learned over the years and continues to learn in her business growth about what it takes to really run a, a business that makes bank and is fun and does good in the world and all that great stuff. So welcome, Linda. It's so awesome to have you here. Thank you, Amira. That's great to be here. Um, as Amira said, I'm Linda Guild. I am the CEO of the Guild Associates. We are an association management firm in the Boston area. We were officially established as the Guild Associates in 1932, which makes us 90 years old. And as she mentioned, it's a family business. I am third generation and have been running the business since 2011. And as an association management firm, we handle um, all the day-to-day activities of actually running six associations, both nonprofits, and we actually have two for-profit associations. So it's a lot of fun and I can't wait to get started. So that's awesome. And I know you're scaling, so you have six associations right now, but we've just done a ton of work on how to take that to the next level. Why don't we talk a little bit about what's important to you about doing this work? Like, how'd you get into it? It's a family business. So there's a, like, we got a little <laughs> bit of a clue there, but like, what, what is, what is important to you about doing this work? And, and, um, you know, most people come looking to you for help and and you help them how? Okay. Um, so I, I'll start with how I got into it. As you mentioned, it's a family business. So I was very lucky to be part of attending meetings and going into the office with my dad as a kid and hearing about the company um, around the dinner table. And it was really part of our daily world. Our, my parents were great about sharing their businesses. My mom um, worked elsewhere, but really understood what my dad's job was all about and career. Um, As an association management firm, what's fun is, as I said, we work with different associations. So we get to help their volunteers grow and scale their associations. So in their own industry, we um, put on their meetings, we help them Um, communicate with their members. We might help them with lobbying issues and really help them become better professionals. 
Um, for me, what's so much fun about that is I love connecting with people. I love learning. I love being able to grow and brainstorm and figure out, okay, I've seen a client over here do X. This might work over here, or I've been learning about it in my own association and get to apply it. So there's always something to learn and something to play with and, and all of that. So I think I answered all your questions. You threw a bunch at me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so this is a little bit of a, a trick question, not a trick question, but like a more nuanced question. You know that people come for help with, for one thing, but you're an expert and you have this depth of knowledge. What do you think that they're really that what they really need help for. And and the reason I ask this is that I think that it's an important piece to marketing, sales, that that whole front end of client acquisition, you you need to speak to the the problem or issue that's that's really in front of the person, but you actually know that they need these these three or four things beyond that, but that's not top of mind for them. So how do you look at that? So we look at it as, you know, initially they're coming saying we need some management. We need help with running our association. It's it's either too much for the volunteers that we have or the company that we've been working with or the individual, something's changing. But what I think they're really looking for is that continuity of the staff, the knowledge and the relationships, because oftentimes in a, if you are a member of an association, you might only initially interact with their staff. You may not attend a meeting for a long time. And so having that continuity, that knowledge, and that depth that then can translate into helping the association grow, allowing them to be able to come back and give them, I want to say behind the scenes knowledge is you're giving them some numbers or some stats, but here's the stories that go with that information that we're giving you. And I think oftentimes they don't realize because things just run um, that they really need some of that additional pieces. And when you find that, especially when we just went through a pandemic, so there was a lot of pivoting in everyone's world and associations were no, no different. Um, and as we're coming out of that, I've been watching clients trying to figure out, okay, what's our next move and, and what else do I need to know? And I think that's the piece that's behind the scenes of, you know, we're creating those relationships so we can give them not, I mean, some of it's anecdotal, but it's, it's based on what we're actually seeing. Not we're, we're not guessing. Yeah. I think that's a really important piece. And this is something for, for, uh, women who are running their own businesses, you will, you will obviously have full-time employees, but there will also be people that you hire as contractors or consultants. And one great thing to ask them is like, what's their breadth of experience? Because an advantage of working with, say, you in, in your world, but mm -hmm. if, if you're an audience member thinking, okay, well, I'm never going to hire an association management <laughs> person. How does this apply to me? I'm, I'm looking at this as like, you know, when you hire a contractor, like we have a, a goodly number of full-time employees on our team, but we also have consultants and contractors who run their own business and work with many clients. And I am the beneficiary of the fact that they work with a lot of different people. So they're bringing me the latest and the greatest and stats. And obviously there's, they're keeping the, the details 
confidential that need to be kept confidential, but I'm, I'm getting the benefit of that experience. So that's a really big one. What else do you think uh, sets you apart from other, say, association management uh, people or even the full-time employee aside from the, the, what we've already talked about in terms of like the breadth of knowledge that you bring? So for us, I think part of it is that that depth of knowledge. So it's the breadth of knowledge, but also the depth of knowledge. You know, as I said, I grew up around the dinner table learning about association management um, from my dad who learned from his dad. And they both really believed in learning and growing and professional development and investing in themselves and in the industry. And I think that can set us apart from people that kind of fall into it. They don't really know what an association is and they're, they're learning on the fly. Whereas, yes, we're always learning. I don't want to say that um, I think if you're not learning, you're, you're dying. But again, we have a really deep knowledge of associations. We have knowledge of state laws and we have relationships that we can for example, if there's a, um, an issue within a hotel, you know, there's a nutrition issue. And I know that's a lot of your, um, you know, some of your listeners may be putting on their own retreats like you do. Um, attrition is one of those dirty words that no one talks about. Let, let's actually pause right there and say, <laughs> like, tell people what attrition is. Because I remember when I was first starting, I was like, attrition, what's that word? So attrition is you sign a hotel contract and you get a great deal on hotel rooms that, that you're either paying for or some or your or your guests who are coming are paying for but you've negotiated the contract based on uh bringing to the hotel a certain number of people and then there is a uh generally speaking you can negotiate what percent you have of like play in that so you're you're not docked if a certain number of people don't show up so that's the attrition and what happens after that so okay if, yeah so if there you don't you get your number you have to pay for those rooms you don't sell or conversely that can also happen with what's called food and beverage so if you say you're mm -hmm. going to spend $50,000 in food and beverage, and that's not including gratuity, that is not including tax, and you come in at $40,000, you're paying you're the hotel the difference. And yep. it's a big deal. And so having, you know, if I don't have the answer, I have a lot of colleagues that and relationships I've developed through the years to be able to go to and look at the contracts to start with and yeah. say, hey, I don't like this in the contract. Is this now standard? What am I missing? How can I make it so that the hotel will accept a change? That type of thing. Yeah. And I think those are really important. It's huge, Linda. It's huge. Like in our, so, so we put on events, as you know, as a client, you've come to a number of them. And, and I've been negotiating hotel contracts now for years. However, not everyone on my team has negotiated hotel contracts and people, I'm now handing that off and I'm realizing that there are so many things in my head that when I read through the contract, I'm like looking for this and looking for this and looking for this and it's all in my head. And what we're doing now is building a checklist, which is like such a basic concept. But this is one of those things that if if you've not had experience doing it or if reading contracts is not your area of expertise, you really need a checklist for something like this because there are so many, they're not, it's not one size fits all. It's not like all the hotels 
use this standard contract. You, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> not even close. And so you have to really, you do have to read the fine print because otherwise you can get into some sticky wickets. And I know that from experience, oh, I didn't see that or I didn't notice that. And now we have to clean that up. And it's, anyways, you have that that depth of experience. And it saves the client money. I think that's the piece of of this that I want to come back to is by understanding that we're making sure that they're positioned well for the future. Um, And one of the things with the relationships we might do um, is we might actually make phone calls to people. Like, so we understand that, that, Hey, it's a great way to tap into the relationships of the the members and reach out and say, Hey, you haven't, you haven't made a reservation yet. Would you like to? (laughs) So they don't get closed out and all of that. And it's, and it's such a great building on that. Yeah. That personal touch is not to be underestimated. We do a lot of that in our our business and we get great feedback from our clients. They're wowed by it. So that's great that you do that for your clients. Let's shift a little bit to what a typical workday looks for you, like to you, Linda. Be, a tip, typical, do I have to put that in quotes? Because here's the thing. So many women who are listening to this, they're like juggling all the things. They're like, how do I, how do I feel successful at the end of the day so that I, I, I move the needle, I move the ball down the field. I, I do the needle moving action in my business. I'm juggling all the things, the details count, but I need to be focused over here. And what, you know, and then it's like bedtime and they crash their, their head down and they're like, Oh my God, did I do anything today? Where did the day go? Right. So <laughs> I hear this all the time. So why don't you flesh out a little bit of like how you approach your time and your day and any tips um, that you have in that respect, I think would be really um, a great resource. So there isn't a typical day. I'm going to start with that. Um, But we do have your calendars that are set up with all of the meetings and that type of thing. And we do a work plan in general where we can check in and make sure that year over year we're capturing things that need to happen and come back in. Um, in our industry, there are certain things that may only happen once a year. Going back to you know the event side, if you run a certain type of event only once a year, we go back around that same time and say, what were some of the things that we had to do last year at this time to make sure that we don't drop the ball in something that we might have forgotten about. So as well as having checklists for our events. So when I look at my day, I look at a couple of things. I look at what are needle moving for the Guild Associates as a whole? What are the priorities for a specific client? Because I still work, do client work. I am front facing um, in terms of I run their board meetings and do some of that. Um, I meet with my team and say, okay, what are your priorities today? And one of the things we really look at is how do we batch our work so that we're not touching the same client necessarily multiple times in the day, because to your point, you can feel like you've gotten done a lot of little things, but not really done anything. Um, And it can take just as long to handle something for a client one time a week as it does to touch them four times during the week. So we really look at at batching our stuff, 
And how is that? Let's pause there for a second. So how is, so, so some people feel like they have to be super reactive, right? Like if I don't respond right away, I'm not giving good service, but then you're splayed in a thousand different directions and you don't get the big stuff done. So can you make an argument for why this is, I mean, I know what the argument is, but I'd love to hear it in, in your own words, uh, make an argument for why this is the most, um, efficient, not, let me say that, that this is best for the client as well. Like, how does this help the client get the most efficiency from you? Because they're paying you fees. So why is, why is this the best way forward? So, you know, the question is around batching our work and we feel that it, it helps us when we do things as in, um, looking at it once or twice, I feel like you miss less details, to be honest, because you're not touching it three times and forgetting where you were. In essence, our clients then aren't paying for, I, I, I want to say the word waste, but it's it's inefficient use of our time that then makes it seem like, why does it take you so long to do everything? And And we don't bill by the hour, we do bill on a flat fee but it's still based somewhere (laughs) (laughs) based on that. So for us, I think, you know, we can actually say to someone, Hey, I think the other piece with that is you want to be reactive. And so if you're talking to a client, um, I often, if they ask us for something, we'll say, Hey, we're going to be working and I can send this to you on such and such a time. Will that work for you? So I also set expectations verbally with clients or in emails when they ask for specific, like a receipt for something or something that becomes more of a manual pull. So we meet their expectations and we don't um, disappoint them as well. Yeah. So I call that being responsive instead of being reactive mm-hmm. so that it's not this like ping bo- ping pong kind of reactivity thing. Okay. So let's, let's shift gears. I love this next question. Uh-oh. So <laughs> you do too. So y- you know how I, I speak about the law of compensation mm-hmm. all the time. And for the listeners, the law of compensation says that you will be compensated according to the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the difficulty in replacing you. So the need for what you do is the problem that you solve. Your ability to do it is your skill set or your expertise. And the difficulty in replacing you is what makes you unique and not a commodity. And this is where you get to receive at a much higher level, get compensated at a much higher level. So what makes you, let's look at that third piece. What makes you and your business unique, different from other people who do association man- management in this case? I think what really makes us unique in this is that we really focus on the relationships and we care about our members' experience as well as our board members and treat them like whether they're a member or not and whether they join or not is dependent on on what we do and i feel that with our clients we've done a really good job of having clients that we can interact with at a high level understand their needs and be a partner at the table and i think we've had a lot of continuity with our clients and i think those are the things that sets us apart because you know, we we have really taken the time to to dive deep into who the client is and 
develop those relationships and say, here's what we see for you. And we're also, we leave our ego at the door. So I'm okay stating my opinion and walking away from it as well. Because sometimes I just want them to look at the other side before they make a decision. And their decision is okay. Um, And it's a lot of fun to do that, to be honest. Yeah, that's great. What I'm really hearing there is that the relationship is salient. Like you want, you, you care about doing the right thing. You're going to offer your expert opinion, the, the 90 years of experience that you're tapping into and your current learning and, and your breadth of experience as well. And like it is the client's business, well, association, Mm -hmm. it's, it's up to them. So that's great. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make that a thing. Okay. (laughs) So let's go back to that first part of the law of compensation that says what kinds of, you know, do you have a, a problem that's big enough? right? You'll be compensated according to the problem that you solve. What do you see as the biggest problem that people who run associations, either for profit or nonprofit, face that they may or may not be aware of? But what what do you think the biggest problem they face is? I think the biggest problem of, I mean, I think there's two big problems. One is when we look at nonprofits, it's often seen as well, nonprofit, so it no one should make a profit and and that type of thing. That's one piece of it. But the bigger piece to me is just the variety that's there. And I came across something great recently that was written by my grandfather in 1955, I think, talking about that an association manager needed to be a statistician, an economist, clairvoyant a wet nurse, which is kind of hysterical. Yeah, wet nurse. (laughs) You know, psychiatrist, psychologist, the whole gamut. And I think that's true because every year you're working with different, your board changes for most associations. So you have a different president, you have a different outlook. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to adjust to those personalities, meet them where they are, help them look successful and grow as well as understand their industry, as I said earlier, create that continuity and um, understand behind the scenes, there are legal issues that apply to an association and they're different for a nonprofit versus for-profit. And our job is to know all of that and bring that continuity and knowledge and, and marry it with, hey, I have a different personality that's going to approach this completely differently than the last year's president did. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And I love that it's in your DNA and that you're finding these letters. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so uh, another way of looking at the law of compensation is to say that you need to become bigger than your present. If you want to receive more, you have to become bigger than your present place. You have to grow your capacity. And so can you tell me about a time where you or your team went above and beyond for a client and it and it caused you to grow your capacity not just like oh yeah we could do that let's do that but like it was a stretch for you and you're like wow we got that done that's go us go team yay for the client so i run um some advertising associations and we had one that we had worked with actually under my dad and they they reformed and when they called they said oh we want you to help us find us an advertising agency and and conduct the whole process of request for information, request for proposal, 
I've never done that before. And, and this is a 10 to $12 million organization budget for advertising. And that whole process and, and finding out that, you know, from some of the people that bid that, hey, that was a really well done process was a lot of fun because it was out of my scope and figuring that out and really feeling like, hey, we put them on a good course for what they needed to do for the, the next few years. And they they found a great partner. And that was a stretch for you to do that. Sure. I, I have no idea. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, I love that. I've literally ever touched before. <laughs> yeah. So so one of the concepts that you touched on earlier and, and that I, I teach on is that if you're not growing, you're dying, that there's no like homeostasis. There's no like this perfect balance that you just get to this place. And, and so that was like a case of continuing to grow. Um, what have you learned? Let's, let's take the, the concept of growth slightly differently. What have you learned growing your business, let's say in the last six months? And what is like something that you'd love to share with the audience about what you learned about business recently? For me, I think that I have learned recently that I need to be more open to opportunity and kind of shifting my personal mindset of that how I view what I've done and what I can do differently. One of the things that you teach and talk about is that it's easier to make more money than less money. And I think that remembering that if I'm growing and adding team members that I'm actually going to be serving my my members and my clients at a higher level because there's going to be more depth, more ability for other people to respond and and create service to them. And I think those things are, you know, I kind of knew them in some ways, but I hadn't really tapped into any of that. And then I'm not responsible for everything and it's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, talking about team, how would you describe your team and, and what makes them unique? You've had, just like you have longevity in terms of being in this industry, I happen to know Linda brought her team to a VIP day and I got the opportunity to, to, to meet them and they've been with her for years also. So there's there's a huge longevity there and connection. What has been your secret sauce for keeping these super smart uh, women that are on your team as in in the biz? And what makes them what what makes them unique? So I think my secret sauce of keeping people is always check in and see where they're at in their own journey. What are they enjoying? What aren't they enjoying? What do they see? Asking their opinions um, and engaging them because especially in this industry, there's so many different things happening that I want to find out, hey, what you know, what's going on now? That where do, where do you really want to be? Where do you think you can contribute? And continuously kind of playing with that and moving people around within there. Um, so that I think is a little bit different. And I've been known to, you know, sometimes take a little bit of a step back if I need to, to retain someone knowing that it allows for growth. Um, replacing someone's a big deal. And they get to be forward facing um, and get to know clients themselves. They're just phenomenal. They, I think 
They love to learn. Do you guys see how her face lights up? She just started, if you're listening to this um, on just audio and not video, her she just like, when she started to think about them, I could see that she was looking back and her face just started to glow. You are such a relationship person, just like what you said about your clients, like what you say about your team. It's it's very much about the relationships. Okay. I interrupted, but please. Um, they care passionately about our clients. And they're just, they're A, they're awesome human beings and ethical and believe in doing the right thing. They want to learn. They want to grow. They give me ideas. Um, I have a strong personality. They have no problem standing up to me. Um, And we, I think that's really important. And, you know, they come back and and share, hey, I, I see this with this client. What do you think about this? I mean, it's not a, it's, it's a very interactive relationship and, and office and, and not everyone's here. So sometimes it has to be very intentionally um, interactive and saying, hey, we're going to get on a call once a week and talk about what's going on or talk about how we're going to approach this or whatever it may be. Um, and I learn from them as much as I hope that they learn from me um, and from one another. So... One of the things that I really saw when they came was that their their level of contribution, their level of commitment, their their ability to synthesize ideas, and because they had this huge depth of um, years working together and with you, it's like you're a well-oiled machine working together, and there's so much love there, so much love. So really great. And they know how to pick up the pieces. I think that's the other piece is that well machine and and being willing to jump in in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're a pretty smart cookie. Um, <laughs> how do you Maybe. continue? To, well, I, I'm I'm framing this up because you, you're a pretty smart cookie. You have a lot going for you. You've got you've got this business that's been around for 90 years. You've been running it since 2011. You actually have a second business that we're not even going to talk about that you're, you, you run, you're, you're really smart on the process, all of this stuff. So you got a lot going for you. How do you continue to up your game? This is a two-parter. Okay. How do you continue to up your game and what's the role of coaching for you? Because I, what I see is there are a lot of super smart women out there who have a, uh, pull yourself up by your boot ki- bootstraps DIY mentality, and it and it stops them. I know it stopped me for many years um, until I was like, okay, my way doesn't work. I need to figure it out, and I went all in on getting help. And then my my life changed dramatically. My business changed dramatically. Um, but but how do you how do you integrate those two things? I'm smart, right? I've got a lot of experience. I know a lot, and I'm willing to ask for help. I, I'm, I'm, you're coaching with, with us. Like, how do you integrate those two things? I think that I'm smart enough to know that I'm not, I don't know everything. And I think that's the, the first piece is, is, like I said earlier, actually about my team of being able to even ask them and take a step back and realize that I'm hearing different opinions and being open to learning. You know, so I am very active on the association for association executives. They have a listserv and pay attention to what are trends, what what don't I know? And then for the coaching, 
I listen, I think about it, I share, you know, and a lot of times, I mean, it's hysterical to listen to me in the morning. I'll walk in from my drive and say to Tanya, so on today's podcast, whoever is listening, like, shocking, I was listening to a podcast and so-and-so said this, what do you, like, and so we just kind of file that away and say, okay, where, what could I do? And, and coaching with you has been about mindset and saying, hey, there's things that I haven't done as well as I would like. And how do I break through any of my barriers? And and then sometimes it's being vulnerable in a way that that is really uncomfortable and asking questions. So for me, it's less, there's sometimes people need more tactics. I, I can always learn from tactics, but mine's really been around the mindset more than, you know, technically I probably know most of what I need to do or know how to find it. But mindset is saying, you know, do I believe in myself? What am I stopping myself? We are myself sabotaging. How do I, you know, move through those pieces and start to recognize those patterns? And, you know, one of my favorites, cause and effect. What's the cause that, and where am I as a result of that? Absolutely, 100%. I'm thinking back to your VIP day. You did a two-parter, one by yourself and one with your team um, back to back. And like day one, just with you was like, we hit, we went deep on like all the the subconscious sabotages and the things. And then we spent like this much time playing out. Like once we got that clear, it was like, boom, 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 boom. Here's the the game plan and the tactics. Let's bring the team on board and and then flesh out the details of it the next day. But it was that the heavy lifting um, to get you clear so that all of that is, is super easy. I love that. I love that. Okay. So before I ask my final questions and share some reflections with you, where can people find you if perchance they are part of an association and they need fantastic association management, or they just think you are the fabulous human being that you are and they want to connect with you? How would they find you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. It's under Linda Guild. Um, that's G-U-I-L-D. Um, I, we're redoing our website, which will be live hopefully in about a month. I don't know when this is going to air, but soon after. And it's guiledassos.com. And hopefully it'll be in the show notes. So those are the two best places. Um, we're not really active as a company elsewhere. And Facebook, I kind of keep a little bit more private. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm showing up on LinkedIn and People are more than welcome to connect with me. I love talking about nonprofits and association management and and sharing information. So um, reach out and happy to help. That's great. I love it. Okay. So a couple more questions for you. What do you wish for the world? What do I wish for the world? I wish for the world that people have great connections and a support system. I think that that's a, it, it's a question that you kind of caught me off guard with. I think that when people are connected and help one another, it makes for a better place. Yeah, and I and then that. you get the happiness and, and joy through those connections. Yeah, I think that's, I love that answer. I love that answer. What makes you an unstoppable woman? I think what makes me unstoppable is that I am very, very curious. I love to learn. I love to to find something else out and grow and help one another. And it just keeps me moving forward. And and yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm very curious. I think it's fun to learn. I'm a 
I was a Latin major. I'm a complete geek. Um, and proud of it. <laughs> and proud of it. Totally own it. I love it. Totally own it. it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that I mean, mine mine's around, you know, personal growth and sharing, helping other people grow. I love brainstorming and and I love to see other people succeed. So yeah, those are pretty much my reflections right back at you. Like you are one of the most generous people. You, you when you are in community with with people, you want to contribute. You want to help behind the scenes. She's she, like I said earlier. She's an inner circle client, and there's a bunch of collaboration that that group of clients has together. And she's always offering up just a little tweak here, a little idea. She has a depth of knowledge and she's not holding back. She's, she's present and incredibly generous with those, those connections and, and, uh, really just looking to help. So the, the, the thing that I see that is so important to you and that you show up in all the different places that I've seen you, um, show up is that level of connection and relationship. And I just think that that's so uh, important. And I, I am grateful for you to being a client, but also <laughs> doing this, doing this interview. I think it's going to help so many women see the, the way you approach business and the way you approach working with your clients, how that's a, a real win for everyone and how it's, how it's allowed you to, to, to really grow your business and, and have it be something that is, um, here for the long run, you know, 90 years and going strong. So I love and a it. lot of fun I- and a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations, Linda. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much. Good. This has been fun. 